Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 315. Perhaps no concept in cruising is as difficult to know the hows, what's, and why's as travel insurance. It's a complicated topic filled with lots of considerations, but we're going to tackle the basics of travel insurance and explain why you might need or want it for your next cruise. Here we go. With hurricane season really approaching its peak, I wanted to talk about an idea about planning for your cruise that a lot of people overlook or maybe don't consider all that well until, unfortunately, it hits them. And we're talking about insurance for travel insurance specifically. And, you know, this is a really interesting topic because I know my opinions of this have changed over the years. And the answer, honestly, before you get into this episode, if you're wondering, oh my gosh, is Matt saying we should all get travel insurance? The answer is it depends and there is no set answer for everybody. Travel insurance is an option and it's one of those things that you have to figure out on your own if it makes sense for you. There is no set answer. I mean, you could sit here and say, you know, everybody should get travel insurance. Not everyone needs travel insurance. It depends on your risk factors and a couple other things that may be different depending on you, what coverage you have outside of travel insurance to begin with, and a few other factors as well. So there's a lot of different considerations here. And so this episode, I really want to frame this as an open discussion. I won't sit here and say everybody should do one or the other. I'm going to share my observations, my own experiences, and kind of give you a framework for what to expect. Because whether we're talking about hurricane season or really any time of the year, there is risk involved. And that's what really, when you talk about anyone in insurance, I'm sure they'll talk to you about risks, right? What are you willing to risk? Because inevitably, this is a question of money, right? Because any problem that you run into, cruise or otherwise, usually money can solve it. But we don't all have just tons of money sitting around, which is why insurance is really nice to have. And I think that's the key word right there, nice to have. All insurance policies are essentially paying money for probably something you won't use. But if you do need it, boy, is it nice to have. And so I, I think that's what, keep that in mind when we're talking about insurance, especially while we're really the focus of this is the hurricane season. But don't forget, bad weather can happen throughout the year. Travel delays can happen throughout the year. There's, It's not to say that if you go on a cruise outside of hurricane season, you're not going to have travel delays, cruise cancellations, uh, airline cancellations, and any other situation that can come up. Because there's a variety of factors that can impact your ability to make a cruise vacation. And certainly, hurricane season gets a lot of attention for this. But again, I don't want people who are who are listening to this be like, oh, I've got a cruise in February or a cruise in uh, December. No, there's no risk at all. We can, we're guaranteed to go to the cruise. And that's not the case. There's a variety of things that can happen. And certainly, when travel insurance can cover all that. But let's talk about really... Let's dive into this more and talk about the topics here, because at the heart of what travel insurance is, is it's protecting your vacation investment. Uh, a cruise, as we all know, is a fantastic way to enjoy vacation, and they're not cheap also. Even if you're going on the cheapest cruise you can find, a three-night sailing on a great rate, you're still spending probably between the, the cruise fare itself and other associated travel expenses, you're somewhere between $500 and $1,000. Easy. I, I don't think that's unreasonable to, to assume. That's not an insignificant amount of money right there. And I don't think even if you got the cheapest cruise fare out there, no matter what it is, even if it's you got $99 cruise fare, you know what? At the end of the day, say, well, you know, do you, are you okay with just throwing that money away? Of course not. You want that money back in case. And that's what insurance really is, is protecting your vacation investment. And more than likely, you're not spending $99 on your vacation. You're spending hundreds, thousands of dollars on your cruise. 
And there's a variety of things that can really impact your ability to get on the cruise. And we oftentimes think about, oh, what happens if your cruise is canceled? But travel insurance also kicks in for a variety of other situations, like if your flight is canceled and now all of a sudden you can't get to the cruise port, if there's a major storm either around where the ship is supposed to leave, around your hometown, if a if a member of your family is sick or injured and it requires you to cancel your trip, again, these are the type of situations, uh, lost luggage, uh, medical issues you run into yourself. You know, you have insurance for covering, you know, if you have to go to the hospital or a loved one goes to the hospital, but those insurance plans do not cover your cruise vacation. And if you call Royal Caribbean or any cruise line for this matter, it's not just a Royal Caribbean policy, say, you know what, we can't make the cruise, our flight is canceled, my 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 mother is sick, uh, whatever the, the, the reason may be, I'm sure they'll have a lot of sympathy for you, but you're not getting your money back. <laughs> They're just going to be like, well, I'm sorry, that doesn't work. And so it's really important to keep this in mind and, again, we're talking about risk factors here, right? There's lots of different insurances out there uh, from lost luggage to trip cancellation, medical and emergency medical transportation. There's there's just a ton of different insurance options that are out there. Some insurance comes through the cruise line and a variety of others come through third-party uh, offering, similar to kind of like when you're buying homeowner's insurance or auto insurance or, you know, you kind of shop around. Same is true of your of, of travel insurance. And there's a variety of, of them that are out there, which is why it's so hard to say, yes, everybody should get this or that, or even what I purchase is indicative of what you should get because we all have different risk factors. When I first started cruising, I didn't do travel insurance at all. I was like, that's a complete waste of money. I'll never use it. Of course, when I first started cruising, I was in my 20s. In fact, I, well, when I really first started cruising, it was with my parents, so I was probably in my teenage years. But throughout my 20s, I never considered travel insurance at all. I was like, look, it was me and my wife. And even when we had our first kid, I still didn't get it because I was like, what are we What do we need it for? I mean, we're not... We're not at risk for, you know, some medical issues. We're going on these cruises. We feel pretty comfortable with it. Don't need it. And as we cruise and got a little bit older, things changed for us. And what changed? Well, we got older. And as you get older, I'm sure I'm not breaking any news here, that as you get older, you start developing some health issues start to affect you, right? As you get a little bit older and things, your body behaves in different ways. And suffice to say, uh, we had an incident on a particular cruise in which I literally was sitting in the diamond lounge with my wife and we we're sitting there and my wife was not feeling well. And I really sat there and I thought to myself, you know, either I take my wife down to the medical bay, to the medical center on board, get charged, whatever we get charged. And it's going to cost me an arm and a leg, but at least my wife will feel better. Or, <laughs> or this is really what I thought, or we just go back to the room, hope she feels better and I can save some money. And at that point I said to myself, I need to start getting travel insurance for peace of mind. And that, for me, is the reason to get it. Other people may have different risk factors, different risk tolerances, and all that all that factors into there. So, again, let's go back to something I said earlier. There is a variety of insurance options. The cruise line, Royal Caribbean, will offer its own insurance. And there's also third parties that are out there that offer their own travel insurances out there. You're, in fact, your travel agent may be able to assist with travel insurance as well, making recommendations. My advice is you consider all of them and Really, what you want to do is when comparing travel insurance plans, if you just look at them on the surface, they all look the same. They're all like, well, I don't know what the difference is, right? It's really a matter of what's important to you. What what type of scenarios are you trying to cover? Are you interested in getting evac, you know, air evac insurance? That's probably the most expensive thing that could possibly happen. This is when you're on a cruise ship, some sort of incident occurs, whether it's a medical thing or you injure yourself or uh, whatever, and they need to send a helicopter to come and get you and bring you to a hospital. 
That's, I would argue, I'm, I'm sure there's a scenario somebody can think of that's, that's uh, worse. But anyway, that's among the most expensive things that can possibly happen because that air evac is probably going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars easy. Uh, now, of course, as we all, I'm not going to get into the debate about how the, um, how health services are, are priced, but without insurance, you're on the hook for a ginormous bill over there. So, uh, now is that likely to happen? Very unlikely to happen to most people, but some people want to be able to sleep at night. And that's what we're talking about here, right? What are you looking for in your insurance? Some people just simply want, Hey, look, my luggage gets lost. I want to have that covered. Some people are looking for supplemental medical insurance. Like if you're, as you all know, your medical insurance has, you know, in and out of network. What happens if you have to go to a hospital in Cozumel, which I'm probably willing to bet is out of uh, your, your, your health insurance network over there. You know, do you want to have something that covers that situation so that you're less on the hook for other things, you know, out of pocket expenses? Uh, are you looking for insurance that's going to be able to you know, take care of a visit to the doctor's office. Because by the way, on Royal Caribbean ships, if you go down to the medical center, they do not accept any insurance. Now, granted, you may be able to get reimbursed by your home medical insurance later on, but just keep in mind, they don't take any insurance. You go down there, no matter what it is, they're going to charge you out of pocket. It's going to go to your CPAS account, and it's just a straight up charge. There is no, oh, why well, I have my insurance over here. It doesn't work that way. Even if you have a travel insurance, basically, no matter which insurance we're talking about, whether it's your own medical insurance from home, whether it's your travel insurance you're considering purchasing as part of this episode, you're this will all be reimbursed to you later, right? So keep that in mind. But not all insurance policies are equal, and they will really vary by country by country, or even state by state. And again, not all policies are equal for a reason. You know, you got really got to figure out what risk tolerances you have. Obviously, somebody who's in their 20s is going to pay a lot less than somebody who's in their, you know, 50s or 60s. I mean, this is true of all insurance out there and also what the coverage uh, includes. So you got to find something that's meaningful to you. Now, before you begin really and choose something, you should also look at your credit card. A lot of credit cards include some form of travel coverage. Not all of them do, but you might want to look into it. I was actually surprised how many of my credit cards included car rental insurance as well as a basic form of travel insurance. It may not be the greatest one, but it may at least cover some aspects of it. And that can obviously, if you look into what the policy includes and, and all that, that can be a factor in determining which travel plan you pick. If any at all, some people are comfortable with what their credit card covers because they're looking for some basic stuff, you know, kind of like a, let's take the bite out of it of what the total cost would be, but I'm still okay paying, you know, whatever it is, uh, a certain amount after that. And the credit card, hey, it's included with your credit card, so there's no cost to you. It's worth it. Again, depends on your risk tolerance and things of that nature. Um, and also take a look at your coverage limits. It may not cover every expense incurred, but it can take that sting away. Again, some people want to have travel insurance that just simply covers everything. It's the it's the, um, the old joke with car insurance. You know, if you ever rent a, a car and the, the car rental company usually offers you different uh, policies to cover your rental car. And one of them, I forget which company it was, you could literally just bring the keys back and be like, I don't know what happened to the car, but it's gone. <laughs> it's it's destroyed. Here you go. And you're on the hook for nothing. Some people want that for their travel insurance. Others want just simply something to help, again, take that bite out of it. Uh, and maybe that's, that's what you're looking for. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with again, what you're looking for in your policy. And I, and I know I'm being vague in a lot of these things, but again, you got to figure out what type of coverage is important to you and your family and things of that nature. Also, a really important thing we need to talk about when we talk about travel insurance is when it kicks in. Here is the most common misconception about travel insurance. Okay, I'm going on a cruise during hurricane season. Okay, so I'm going to get travel insurance. 
Sounds great. And so fast forward, it's a week or two before their cruise vacation. And wouldn't you know it, there's a hurricane in the Atlantic. Oh boy. Well, they wait, get a couple days closer. And now they're about four or five days away. And every meteorologist on the planet is saying this hurricane is coming straight for the Eastern Caribbean, whether it's the places your ship is supposed to visit, whether it is going straight to the port of embarkation you're supposed to go out of, it's clear it's going out. It's going to impact your cruise. Well, you're sitting at home saying, well, this is awful, but I have travel insurance. Everything's great. I'm just going to call them up and cancel my cruise because it's going to, uh, my travel insurance is going to kick in. Not so fast. A really important thing you want to look at with any policy is understanding when it actually kicks in. A majority of travel insurance plans in the scenario I just explained to you would only actually kick in if Royal Caribbean said cruise canceled or or your your flight was canceled, something that prevented you from going. You cannot arbitrarily decide I'm not going on this vacation because it looks like there's a potential issue there. If you're still able to travel in the sense that, that your flights are still going, your, your cruise is still on, most insurance plans do not kick in. They will say simply, you're, this isn't a covered reason. You can't cancel for any reason. Uh, there are some that do offer that, but this may not be one of them. So again, something that's really important, just because you do all your homework on what your insurance plan covers, make sure you understand when it kicks in. Ask them specific questions. Give them a scenario. Give them the scenario I just gave you. It's three or four days before the cruise. Nothing is canceled. Can I cancel my cruise and get my money back because of an impending storm, right? Uh, you got to understand when your insurance plan kicks in and when it when, when it doesn't. There are plans that are simply cancel for any reason plans, which you simply can, uh, you know, you you can decide it's cloudy outside today or I don't feel like going on this cruise anymore. There's a variety of reasons, you know, you can cancel. Usually in the cancel for any reason plans, there's uh, normally a nominal fee that you have to pay, uh, but it's still a lot less than just canceling the cruise and losing all that money. So again, Keep that in mind. Look at it. This is this is the most important thing and why it's so hard to recommend one particular plan or agency or anything like that because we all have different things, different considerations. For some people, you know, you may say, well, look, I'm going on the cruise no matter what. And unless Royal Caribbean cancels it, well, then in that case, you know, we'll, we'll deal with it there. But again, you're going to be good in that regard. So again, research things. Figure out what it actually covers and when it, when it kicks in. Now, in terms of when you actually pick a plan, what you would definitely want to do is bring a copy of your policy and or contact information and policy number with you on board. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't actually print it out. I think the first time I ever got travel insurance, I printed it out. Nowadays, I just keep a digital copy, which they usually provide you, right? You sign up for the policy, you'll get a digital card and you'll have the phone number there, but make sure you have that. The reason why is if you get stuck somewhere, you want to be able to call your travel insurance immediately. Classic example of this is uh, somebody's on a Royal Caribbean ship and there's a weather issue that prevents the ship from getting back on time. We've seen this with fog. We've seen this with hurricanes. Uh, probably some other situations as well where the ship is basically your cruise is now extended or some, something that impacts your ability to get back home. As an example, a flight home that you have scheduled, right? If you have what you want to do in that situation is definitely call your, your travel insurance to see what you have to do to make sure your subsequent plans you're going to make are going to be able to be covered and all that kind of stuff. So again, bring your policy with you. Uh, contact information, how to contact your travel provider, uh, as well as your policy number. So definitely do that. Now, the most common situation which you might actually use your travel insurance is actually getting reimbursement. Reimbursement is the keyword. As I mentioned earlier, if you go to a hospital in a random country, if you go to the medical center on board a Royal Caribbean ship, these places are very unlikely to take your insurance, if at all. And so 
what you're really going to be doing is paying out of pocket, which means you're giving them a credit card. They're going to charge you who knows what. And then you have to go back to your travel insurance provider to seek reimbursement. This is probably, I think, the, the most one of the most important things. Obviously, the coverage itself is very important. But also, how easy is it to make a claim? This is something you definitely want to look into because there's a ton of travel insurance providers that are out there. But uh, for me, I want, if I ever need to make a claim, I want it to be so super simple that I it doesn't feel like you're jumping through hoops. You don't want to have a situation where like, who's paying who here, right? You don't want to feel like, the insurance policy is trying to prevent you from actually making the claim. So what you want to do in these type of situations is document the moment you realize you need to make a claim. You might be out of the country with limited means to call your insurance company, so you need to know what to document, certainly. Take all the receipts you possibly can, take photos, uh, you know, those are kind of, you knew, and again, call them ahead of time. Before you even go on your trip, just have an idea. Be like, hey, I, had a, you know, I just purchased this plan or I'm thinking of purchasing this plan. What do I need to do? And give them scenarios. I'm in the hospital in Cozumel. I'm in the medical center on my Royal Caribbean ship. Uh, my flight is delayed, canceled, and I can't make the cruise anymore. What do I need to do? You know, while you're sitting there trying to, uh, you know, arrange everything and make sure you're you're taken care of in the in the short term. But what do you need to bring back so you know exactly what to document? Uh, now, there, of course, there are other kind of trip insurance, and we should probably talk about trip interruption versus trip cancellation, right? Trip interruption is you want to go on the cruise, but your flight is canceled, which means you can no, and there's no other options to get you down to the cruise in time. Uh, Royal Caribbean cancels the cruise itself. Um, who knows what? Um, versus trip cancellation, which as we talked about earlier, either Royal Caribbean cancels it on, on their own, or you decide, eh, I'm not going on this cruise. For a variety of reasons, maybe you lost your job, perhaps you have a loved one who is sick, uh, a weather incident. There's a variety of reasons there. And again, you have to look at your, what your travel insurance policy includes. You know, so a lot of them might say, well, look, we'll cover your ability to, to reach the ship, right? Your flight is canceled. Okay, well, you could still fly to Cozumel and meet up with the ship and still enjoy some of your vacation. They may cover that as opposed to giving you a full refund. So you have to know where to draw the line there, what you're comfortable with. And again, scenarios, I think, are probably a very good idea for talking to your insurance policy provider and seeing exactly what they cover. You can't anticipate every single policy, but at least give your, you, I'm sure you have something in mind when you're thinking about travel insurance. And I think that's why you want to use those as examples because it'll give you better peace of mind to understand what it, when it actually kicks in and how to do it as well. So... Um, you know, travel insurance in general is one of those things, but I mean, by the numbers, you're probably not going to need insurance, right? That's how the insurance companies work in general. They don't nope, Not everybody who buys insurance uses it. I mean, think about your homeowner's insurance. Think about your, your auto insurance. You may have never actually cashed in any of those things. That's the whole business behind insurance, but you know, unexpected weather can happen. And in some extreme cases, you might not be able to go on your cruise and, you know, there's, while hurricanes are really, again, why we talked about this episode, it doesn't take a hurricane to really mess up your carefully crafted vacation plans. And this comes back to the original topic, risk tolerance. What are you willing to do? Are you okay with, you know, if, if Royal Caribbean cancels your cruise, they're going to give you your money back, okay? That, that's a, I, I have never seen a situation in which they don't do that. But if your cruise is canceled, it doesn't mean you're getting your money back from Southwest or American Airlines or the hotel you pre-purchased, or the rental car, you know, all those little things can add up, and some of them are not <laughs> little airfare, especially. Uh, and of course, you know, you've got your time and, and a variety of other things that, that go into it. But 
you want to make sure you are comfortable with this and it's risk tolerance. And again, I'm going to tell you, it's okay not to have travel insurance. Statistically speaking, you're probably not going to need it on your cruise vacation. Just going to put that out there. That is a truth. But at the same time, if you do run into a situation where you could use it, boy, does it make it a whole lot easier to have travel insurance. And that's why you need to have an honest conversation with yourself figure it out. I would also argue that you should also look at pricing because travel insurance is actually not that expensive. In fact, it's a lot cheaper than I thought it was going to be when I first started looking at it. There's a variety of options that are out there. Certainly a Google search will help you in terms of finding options. Don't forget Royal Caribbean does offer its own variety of travel insurance. And again, your travel agent can help you with that along with a variety of third parties that are out there, you know, research, see what fits you policy wise, and then decide if it is a right fit for you or not. Most travel insurance covers a specific trip, right? You go to the travel insurance website. It's like, I'm going on Oasis of the Seas, a seven-night cruise from this date to this date. I want travel insurance for that. Bam, you get a quote. If you do cruise or and or travel significantly, I would say probably three or four times a year, you should definitely look at an annual travel insurance plan. This is a travel insurance plan that doesn't cover one specific trip, but covers an entire 365-day period, which is really good especially financially, if you are going on multiple cruises a year. I'd probably say the break-even point on this is somewhere around three or four sailings a year. And don't forget, it also covers all travels, not just cruise insurance necessarily. Um, you can, you know, if you're going on a on a family trip to California, if you're doing business trips, you know, there's a variety of reasons in which this could also kick in and be helpful for you. But again, it, you want, might want to consider that as well uh, if you are doing a, a you know, more than one cruise or probably more than two cruises, I would, I would look at an annual plan. But again, look at what it covers, what it doesn't cover. All those things are really important when it comes to travel insurance. And I hope that this episode really helped you kind of get an idea of what to expect. I know a lot of the stuff is vague and it's going to really vary from person to person, but I would tell you, regardless of you, if you get travel insurance or you don't get travel insurance, it is extremely important to have that conversation with yourself and figure out, okay, what makes sense for you and if travel insurance is a good idea or not, but definitely have that conversation because it will really impact you down the line at some point. All right, time to answer your emails. This is the part of the episode where I dive into the Royal Caribbean blog podcast inbox and answer the emails you've sent me. If you want to send me your own emails, you can always do so by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email today comes to us from Jason, who writes, I found your podcast a couple of months ago after we booked a sailing on Harmony of the Seas. I've listened to some back episodes and more than I care to admit and has greatly helped us in planning our upcoming vacation. Our only remaining hesitation is what to do in Costa Maya. I wouldn't mind seeing the Mayan ruins, but our party isn't excited about spending half the day on a drive. I think we've settled on a beach day since we'll be doing a private snorkel charter in Roatan and driving around the island of Cozumel. We were excited uh, to book Maya Chan based on your recommendation reviews. Unfortunately, it appears that Maya Chan will be closed during our visit and apparently for a few weeks in September. Can you suggest another similar experience to Costa Maya or give a rundown on the current beach resort offerings in Costa Maya? We're also open to other ideas. We just stumped, we're just stumped at this point what to do in port at Costa Maya. Jason, thanks for the email. I'm actually going to refer you to something that a friend of mine uh, who's been on this podcast before, Jose Pena, did when he was just there. He went, I think, last week as of the recording of this podcast to Costa Maya on Majesty of the Seas. And he went to a place called No Hotch K, Key, N O H O C H. 
Uh, it's a restaurant, bar, and beach club. It's kind of like, it, it's it's not nearly as encompassing, all-encompassing as my HM, but it looks really good. Another option for you if you just want a pay-as-you-go day, not necessarily all-inclusive, is the Crazy Lobster, K-R-A-Z-Y Lobster. You can take a taxi to both these places, by the way, and it's pretty easy to get. Uh, over there. Next up is an email from Howard. It writes, my wife, daughter, who's nine, and I are taking our first cruise on Harmony of the Seas in March 2020. We booked a Central Park View cabin, which came with eat, drink, and play. I understand the perks, like complimentary wine, Jamie's Italian meal, and a gambling lesson, but I haven't found information on how to book the lunch. My questions are, how do you book the lunch at Jamie's Italian? Is this done before the cruise via the cruise planner or once we're on board? And two, the lunch is for two, but is there a way to add my daughter? Thanks for your great information to provide. Your written and YouTube blogs and your podcasts have been invaluable in helping us plan our cruise. P.S. Hope you're getting a chance to go to Juniors in Times Square for some cheesecake before your cruise. Howard, thank you so much for the email. Uh, so the complimentary meal you get at Jamie's Italian, which by the way, if you were in a boardwalk room and you're going to to um, the to Johnny Rockets, is going to be booked in a similar manner. You cannot pre-book it. You simply make a reservation, Howard, once you're on the ship. So you go down, you get on board Harmony of the Seas. <sighs> Life is good. You go to Jamie's Italian, you make a reservation, and you can let them know then, you should probably let them know when you get there. By the way, I'm in a Central Park room. I have a complimentary meal, and please charge, you know, please make sure that that's taken care of. In the case of your daughter, no worries there. You just make the reservation for three. Obviously, you'll have the complimentary meal for two at Jamie's Italian. They'll come you and your spouse and then your daughter should then theoretically only be charged for that but it should not be any issue uh with adding them it's not like it's like oh it's not combinable it's only for two and it can only be two far from it it's just basically think of it as a credit essentially against your account you just have to tell them that you're sitting there if you the important thing to remember is to let them know hey i'm eating here with the e-drink and play benefit you know make sure you credit it accordingly so you have no problems there whatsoever next up is an email from nicole kennis of new britain connecticut writes i recently became a follower of yours i've just started by saying you have me hooked i am obsessed with your podcast and blog best tips and real korean info out there comes from you every single day okay enough sucking up my boyfriend and I are cruising on Allure of the Seas. This is his first cruise and third cruise, second with Royal Caribbean. Say we're excited would be an understatement. The reason I'm reaching out to you today is we, we are registered for the Meet and Mingle through Cruise Critic, and I have asked others in the Meet and Mingle group if they would be interested in doing a bar or pub crawl afterwards. The thought came to me when someone suggested a cabin crawl, which, to be honest, skeeved me out. I don't want to pile a bunch of strangers in my cabin and don't want to go into theirs. <laughs> with this crawl, we toss around the idea of a poker run, but I thought it might become too much of a hassle without knowing how many people will actually want to participate ahead of time. Instead, we're organizing a photo scavenger hunt for some light entertainment along the way. So my questions are, number one, what time, what time, day, and location do the cruise critic meeting mingles usually take place? How long does it usually last? It depends. Usually it's on a sea day. Usually it's in the late morning and usually it's in a uh, venue like a bar or lounge. It's not very popular. I know you mentioned you're going on a lure of the seas. As an example, when I've done it on Voyager or Freedom Fly ships, usually it's up in the Viking Crown Lounge in one of the, uh, in the bar up there, Cosmopolitan Club or whatever they call it on whatever given ship. I'm not sure exactly which venue you'll have it on you on Allure. It's going to be one of the bars or lounges. That's all. It's just and probably one of the indoor ones because usually during the daytime on sea days everyone's out by the pool, so not much competition over there. It usually usually lasts uh, half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. It really depends on the group and how rowdy they are and things of that nature. Number two, do you have any suggestions on how many bars we should try to stop at? I would say actually less is more. When it comes to bar crawls, you want to do probably three or four. Uh, three or four bars, if you spend enough time there, is probably going to last you at least, 
I would say two hours, uh, unless you're really just going in, grabbing a drink, chugging it, and running away. I think really the idea behind a bar crawl is less about, I mean, seeing the bars is cool, but it's really about the social aspects of it, talking, chatting it up. So again, depends how fast you go, but four bars should probably be your, your goal, and anything above that is just gravy at that point. Nicole also writes, if I wanted to have a point system for the scavenger hunt, do you have any suggestions on a prize? As I don't know how, since I don't want to have to ask for money for the group to pay out of pocket. I would say, ah, oh, geez. I mean, one idea, how about this? Go on eBay and research, look for Royal Caribbean medals. They give out medals for different activities on board. They're like gold, silver, and bronze. They're, they're not, have no value, but uh, maybe to do something like that, like a, like a fake medal for whoever wins. I mean, you could always get a gift. If you really want to put money behind it, gift cards. I mean, nobody ever looks the other way about a, about a gift card you can probably get from your supermarket. Um, uh, but I, I think you should probably look for a prize rather than money because I, I really do believe people just want to do it for the, for the sake of having fun. And if you have a little goofy medal you put off eBay, I think it's a pretty good idea. And lastly, do you think this is something I can reach out to Royal Caribbean about to see if they'll be notified as well? Maybe throw in a few prizes like t-shirts, hats, and lanyards. Uh, I would say you'd have probably very little luck in getting any real response from that. Your only bet might be, honestly, if you were to go on board the ship, speak to the cruise director or somebody who's in the activity staff and say, hey, look, we're doing a... We're doing a, a, a scavenger hunt. Can I get some like, you know, pens or some giveaways? They might give you something for there just, you know, out of, you know, for being nice. I don't know that doing anything in advance would really get you much there, but certainly reaching out to the activity staff is not a bad idea. So um, anyway, Nicole writes, uh, sorry for this email so long. I just want to be a great time for anyone who wants to tag along with us. And I thought, who better to ask than the most famous Royal Caribbean junkie guys I know. Thanks for all you do. I love, love, love listening to your podcast during my rides to and from work. And P.S. Shout out to my new travel agent, Stephanie Hudson from MEI Travel. I just booked my first cruise with her for October 2020. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for the email. Thank you for supporting our sponsor of MEI Travel. And I'm so glad to hear you had an awesome service. I think you're having an awesome, awesome time once on board. Uh, next up, we have an email from Dan Grill who writes, Hey Matt, one of your previous episodes, you read my email about how I was able to get a royal suite on Liberty of the Seas. Now that I've returned from vacation six months later, I wanted to give you and your listeners a follow-up on my experience in the fanciest of fancy rooms on the Freedom Class and below at least. To briefly review, I was able to lock down a seven-day Western Caribbean cruise for two in a royal suite, including taxes, port fees, and gratuities for just under $4,000. My wife and I also invited two of our uh, couple friends who got their own cabins and were able to join us in the glorious and overly accommodating royal suite. The square footage inside is about 1,600 feet with, and the balcony with hot tub is 300 square feet. Like most uh, cruising vets and loyal Royal Caribbean blog listeners, we flew in the night before our cruise, Texas to California. We stayed in the embassy suites downtown, then drove to Galveston the morning of the departure. Beforehand, the concierge gave me a cell phone number in case we had any issues in, with embarkation. Fortunately, showing the ticket agents our royal suite ticket helped us promptly skip any and all lines. The moment I stepped in, I knew two years of waiting was worth it. From the self-playing piano to the full-size bar to the hot tub on the giant balcony, I was in love. The master suite was excellent in size and amenities. Having a full-size walk-in closet was a treat. It was at least 10 feet long and had a, had a safe and plenty of storage. The master bathroom was a great size and had a jacuzzi tub and large shower. Overall, the suite has two toilets, two jacuzzi tubs, and four sinks. The living room was huge. It had a custom entertainment system, shelves, and looked as though it had once had a surround sound system with many speakers. I asked about it, and apparently someone ruined it on, for the rest of us and played it too loud, so they had it removed. There was also a flat screen and a PlayStation 3 with wireless controllers. That was just fine for what we needed. The concierge lounge was a great everyday find. I didn't buy the drink package knowing how close we were to free drinks every night, and boy, did I make a good use of it. Our, our alcohol tab was around $200 at the end of the cruise, not too shabby. 
Uh, one day I came back to my suite and there was fresh gluten-free pizza waiting for me and it was still hot. I told the concierge how nice it was to have a surprise pizza and he delivered it while I was out. There was also some fun trivia on board. The group flocked to the Games of Thrones trivia as well as Harry Potter trivia. Overall, the experience was great. If I had an issue, it was usually solved very quickly once I got the concierge on it and the crew, and once the crew realized I was in a royal suite, that helped as well. Lastly, for fun, we made a video and posted it on YouTube. It's posted in the message boards, but you can also search for it on YouTube. Just search the royal suite good life and find your glimpse of high life will pop up. Thanks again, Matt, for all your hard work and dedication to everything you do. I am sure I'm not alone when I say we all appreciate it. Well, Dan, thank you so much for the email. I'm so glad to hear, dude, that the Royal Suite lives up to everything that you were anticipating for it. Uh, it sounds like an amazing experience. I still, one of these days, uh, I'll be able to, I hope to be able to experience like something like the Royal Suite and stay, I've been in the like walk through, but you know what I mean? It's not the same thing as just staying in there. I just want to enjoy a sail away from a hot tub. That's all I'm asking for. Uh, next up is our email from Michelle who writes, we're taking a cruise with our two children aged 13 and 16. We're looking for the best way to keep in contact with them while on board. We thought about using Voom with two devices. Would this be your best recommendation or does Royal Caribbean have an onboard app that would suffice? Michelle, good question. So right now today, Michelle, the answer is there's only two ships that have an onboard app and that is for chatting, I should say. That is Harmony of the Seas and Allure of the Seas. Uh, there's a new Royal Caribbean app that's out. It's on about, well, I don't know, a dozen ships or so. And right now they're still testing. Again, all this information is accurate as of the recording date of this podcast. They're, Allure and Harmony are testing the chat feature, which is complimentary and would save you a lot of money for doing so. Uh, the only issue with it, even though it is free and I'm not gonna knock free, is that uh, it the, the currently there is no push notification. So if the phone is in your kid's pocket, they're not using it, it's just like in their pocket and you message them, they won't see the message until they literally take the phone out of their pocket, pull up the app and then see if there's any new messages, which, Again, for the price, I'm not going to argue with, but that may change. And the plan is eventually all the ships will have it. I know you mentioned actually in your email you're going in March, which I believe will be March of next year. That may change by that point. So keep that in the back of your mind as an option. Today, though, Michelle, if you're, I have to base my recommendation based on what's available today, definitely getting a Voom package is the way to go. Because if you're using Voom, then you can agree on a, on a messaging app to use. And those apps probably have push notifications and you'll be good to go there. So I, I think it's the simplest way to do it. Yes, it's a little more expensive uh, than maybe some old school ways of, you know, post-it notes or uh, voicemails in your stateroom. Uh, but I, I still feel like it's just, it. this is a situation where money can solve it. It's not that much money, especially if you buy a Voom package that's like the, you know, the four device package. I think you're going to find it not that terribly expensive and for peace of mind and being able to quickly communicate on board. I think it is worth the, the investment there. That's what I would do, Michelle, today. Again, this may change as we move forward in next year and perhaps that chat feature will roll out to more ships. It, the, the plan is for it to occur, but it may not happen earlier than that. You know what I mean? So I, I can't promise you that it will be ready for your sailing, but you can at, at the very least prepare for it. Uh, next, we have an email from Steve from Lodi, who writes, uh, Steve from Lodi here, writing you from my magnificent balcony aboard Freedom of the Seas en route to St. Kitts. I have a question that I know you give me some advice on, and it occurs to me that others may benefit from this question, so feel free to share it. My goal in this, my first cruise ever, was to introduce my skeptical wife to the joy of cruising. So far, mission accomplished. In spades, thanks to Freedom of the Seas, and in large part, your helpful and informative podcast. I'm a podcast subscriber, and I can say that binge listening to your shows has really paid off because I've never felt like a complete rookie and it is very gratifying to be able to answer my family's questions and know what I'm talking about. Again, all thanks to you. My strategy in convincing my skeptical wife was to splurge in a balcony room in the hopes she would fall in love with cruising and then I'd be able to get her to agree to more cruises in the future. 
She has said that she is open to the idea of getting less expensive rooms without a balcony and with the with little or even no view at all. This, of course, would help me save money and book even more cruises due to the savings. Yes, I'm hooked. Now to my question. Who would be the best person on board to ask to view the different categories of rooms if the interest in engaging my wife's comfort level? I prepaid tips and gave additional tips to our room stewards. Needless to say, I've established a good rapport there, but would he be the best person to ask? We're scheduled to attend the All Access Tour on Thursday, which is the C day. Would that be covered on our tour? Thanks in advance. Love your show. Uh, so, Steve, that's a really interesting question. Unfortunately, the answer to your question is it's not possible. Um, once guests occupy a room, you're not nobody's allowed to take you into their room to see it. Um, so you're kind of out of luck. And I'm, I know also, Steve, you're off the ship by this point, so I'm not sure I can. <laughs> this is not going to help you. But like you said, maybe this will help others. Um, once you're on a ship, you cannot see other people's rooms by going through Royal Caribbean. Now, certainly, Steve, if you were on board the ship and you start a conversation with somebody on board and they want to show you your room, that's fine. That's totally cool. But there is no means of actually viewing other rooms. The best you could do really, Steve, is when you get home, look at a YouTube video, uh, find photos of a room tour and do it about that way. It's not the same thing. Totally agree with you there. But there really isn't. The only way you could have made this work is if you went on embarkation day before everybody got the got occupied the rooms and poked your head in very quickly and kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, move on to the next one kind of thing. But even then, that's kind of sketchy if you ask me. Uh, so really, there isn't a really good means uh, of, of figuring that out, Steve. I know it's not the answer you're probably looking for, but yeah, there's... Row is not going to be able to hook you up. And the all access tour is not to bring you to other people's rooms. It's to bring you to like behind the scenes areas like the, the, the bridge and the engine room, things of that nature. So good question. though, And it's, it's not an, not an uncommon one I've heard. All right. Time for one more email. It is from Barbara who writes, uh, we're going on a Royal Caribbean cruise in Italy and I'm going to be bringing a bottle of wine on the cruise for my own home. Uh, drink it the first night or so. Can you buy another bottle of wine in another port like in Italy and then bring it on the cruise? I've never been on this before. Uh, I never asked if you can also do this in the Caribbean. Maybe you can do there also, but the wine in Italy is excellent. Asking for a friend. <laughs> Barbara, welcome. So the answer to your question is you can buy a bottle of wine or really any alcohol uh, in any port you visit, but you cannot consume it on the ship. So what you could do, Barbara, is go on your cruise to Italy, buy a, a lot of bottles of wine, uh, go back to the ship. Royal Caribbean should confiscate it at that point, and then they'll give it to you back on the last day of your last uh, evening of your cruise so you can bring it home. But you can't consume it on board, but you can enjoy it uh, once you get home. So it's better than nothing, I guess. At least you can then have all those memories while you enjoy from the comfort of your home. And there you go. That's it for today's episode of the podcast. Thank you for checking us out here. And of course, if you have a question about your upcoming cruise, be sure to send it over to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>